Jenny Gilpin. If I have not gotten to meet you, I honestly would love to. If I haven't gotten to get your name, come up to me. Like, I love that when people come up and say, I just want to introduce myself. Here's, here's who I am. That I love to do. And I am so excited today to be starting this new series. So, you know, we've looked at the last, um, the last month and even some of the time in the fall, we talked about our relationship with God, right? We talked about what's it like to talk with him and spend time with him and listen to him. But I love how Jesus, um, as we move out of that into this one another series, um, we're looking at something where we see that God connected our relationship with God with our relationship with other people. And I know sometimes people like to just say, I'm gonna focus in with God, that's what I've got, but we really do need each other. We're meant to do life together. You know, I think about sometimes, even as I get older, like I'm an extrovert. Do we have extroverts in the room? Because I know a lot of people are introverts. Extroverts? Okay, a few of you. I would say I am an extrovert. I get a lot of life when I'm with people. But as I get older, I find myself needing more and more alone time. Does anyone else ever feel that? Like you're just, okay, God, I, I need some time alone, you know, away from other people. And just to take time, I think it's something when you think about it, it's something Jesus did. He took his time to be with his father. And I love that example. And sometimes I'm going, I think it's okay that I need more time alone. But even with those special times, you think of even the example of Jesus, we all need each other. We all do life with each other. If you think about it, you've got, um, you're on teams at work, right? You're in class with other people, with other students. You're doing things, even maybe serving on a team here, maybe working in kids ministry or, or helping with ushers, you're on a team. Like you can't get away from it. As much as we like to be, think that we're so individualistic in the United States, I think we forget, right, that we actually do life with other people. Even culture does it. The norm of culture is created by our connection with other people. And it's kind of fun to see that. Um, over the Christmas break, when our two older kids were home and we got to kind of have some just time to hang out together, we all got hooked on this show that's called Alone. I don't know if any of you ever seen this show. Okay, we got some fans of Alone. I think, Dwayne, you could be one of those people. You could do it. I think so. Um, but in this show, the, the idea of the show is that they take 10 participants and they're usually like survivalist type people. You know, those people that know how to create their own shelter. They know how to hunt and fish and they get to take 10 items of their choosing and they would drop them. And for this particular season, it was this remote wilderness in Canada. Like I'm talking way far away from any, anything else. And and they kind of put them in the fall, like August, but they move into a winter type season. And the idea of the show is to outlast all the other participants in total isolation. And so they give them these cameras and they set them up kind of around their camp area. And they, they kind of, you know, record their experience out, out in the wilderness. And we were watching and I just, all of a sudden I got so hooked. I didn't think I would like this kind of show. But once you start watching it, you're like, who's gonna go out first? What's gonna happen next? And, and I remember there were some people that had to kind of, they would say, I'm tapping out. They had kind of a walkie-talkie they were allowed to use. They said, I'm tapping out due to medical reasons or the producers just felt like they were not doing, health-wise was more important to get them out. But how many people surprisingly took that walkie-talkie and said, I'm tapping out. And it was because they missed their loved ones so much. They actually said, as they kind of interviewed them afterwards, they said, I did not know that loneliness was gonna affect me as much as it did. And these were people that were trained in this. A 
lot of them had spent time in isolation before, but not really maybe as long as this show was gonna require of them. And to be outlast everybody else, they got this $500,000 prize. So you're kind of hearing everybody's story about how our family needs this, or this is why we want it. But it was just awesome to watch the way that worked, but then so amazing to see that it wasn't even like they had lost so much weight. It wasn't that issue or they were so weak. It was they missed desperately their, their family and their loved ones. And the guy actually on this particular season, I think they've gone longer, but he was alone for 76 days in total isolation. I cannot even imagine. I think I go a day maybe when I need to recharge and have alone time, but I cannot go beyond that. But what it just showed me as you think about it is that we were meant to do life together, right? I love that today we're talking about life groups and kind of kicking off to that. This series means so much to me because I couldn't imagine doing life and doing church and just how we do everything without other people. That's what we're, that's what we're about. That's what excites me is to see people connect with each other. So if you haven't, I would encourage you, step out. It takes a little courage, I know, to step out, but to say, you know what? I'm gonna go look for a life group. I'm gonna go try to find a way to connect in. Maybe for you, it's first serve. And it's something to say, maybe I wanna kind of help and get involved a little bit more. And as you do that, I guarantee you, you're gonna get to know some more people here. God didn't just mean, you know, for us to come into church and sit there on a Sunday and, oh, that's good. And amen, pastor, for preaching good. But then just walk out. God meant us to do life together. And I love that Jesus addresses this issue in an answer he gives to the rich young ruler about this greatest objective of life and what this looks like. And in Matthew 22, 37, it says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You see, our faith and relationship with God, just like we said earlier, are reflected and played out in our relationships with one another. In fact, what we discover, and I just love this about these statements as I've gotten into kind of study for this, there are 59 specific one another statements in scripture. And as we look at them, um, we're gonna go over just a few of them, I promise. We're not gonna take a deep dive into all 59 for 59 weeks of, of sermons or anything, but, but it's just these one another statements are actually very powerful. And I think Jesus knew we were gonna need them. And I just wanna say, by the way, these can be used um, in our one another's to how we, are, are with our neighbors and our classmates, with maybe people, our coworkers. But really, these one another statements are actually meant for people in the church and actually is first worked out with each other, with us here in the church. As we'll discover next month, where we're gonna take a deep dive into, I should say deep dive, it's for the month, don't, don't get too excited. Um, for the month of March, we are going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians, what, what Paul is explaining from God is he's talking about this new humanity that God's creating. And these are people that follow God and how we walk that out. And so what he's saying is that this is how we relate to one another is really a reflection of this new humanity that God's creating. In Ephesians 2.19, it says this, now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family. And you belong, I'm sorry, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. A couple things as we look at this is that we're saying, you know what, how we relate to each other is rooted in our relationship with God, first and foremost. It's like a reflection of his love to us and how he relates to us is how he's saying, I want you to relate to each other in this way. 
But the Bible also tells us when you think about it was Jesus or Paul or Peter saying these statements in the New Testament, what we see is that they were actually talking to believers. They were talking to people that already knew Jesus. And they're saying, this is how you need to treat one another. So we aren't just starting a relationship. When we come to the Lord and we surrender our life to him, we're not just starting a relationship with Jesus. Okay, Jesus, it's you and me and we're good. I'm gonna go on this ride called life and it's you and me. But he's saying, guess what? When you come into God's family, you actually get brothers and sisters. So we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we actually get adopted into this family as God adopts us as sons and daughters. And I know this might go against culture and some of the trends right now are things like, I don't, I don't know if I believe in organized religion. I don't know if I need the church. I'm not sure about that. But you know, unless there's something else been written since the Bible was, scripture actually gives us this organized framework for how we're supposed to walk out relationship with each other. And this is the church. This is where life and these one another's actually get worked out on the ground. In fact, we're told in Hebrews not to forsake gathering together. It says this in Hebrews 10, 24, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. And I think that's not just here on Sundays, but that's also in life groups as well. It says, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I wanna be real. Church is here. This is what God put as his instrument here on earth. But I know for a lot of us, especially the culture in 2023, church can get messy and relationships with people in church can be messy. And I just wanna remind us, just like our natural families, I know I'm not the only one, we have some awkward and messiness in our natural families sometimes, right? Kind of that uncle over there, or that sister, I don't know, you know, you think about those. But just like that, it's the same in God's family. You know why? Because we're all sinners, we're all works in progress. We're all trying to figure this out together. But I think God knew of how messy sometimes it can be. But God's saying, I wanna show you. So he shows us by his love. And then he says, this is how I want you to treat one another. You know, the, what we're gonna be looking at today is to love one another. The first and, and the greatest one you hear so much about. This is said 16 different times in scripture about loving one another. I think he knew we needed to hear it a little bit. I, I love those things when you think about how many times in scripture we hear things. So um, during Jesus' last moments with his disciples, this is the dinner that he's having with them, this Passover dinner before he's gonna go to the cross. Um, and this is what he says in John 15, 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And these words are actually a repeat of something he said even earlier in the same dinner with his disciples in chapter 13 of John 34 and 35. He says it this way, a little bit more expanded. It says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, maybe you've heard love one another. It's, it's a common um, thing that might be preached on. It's something we hear in Sunday school and you just stop and you think, oh, okay, here we go again. I gotta try harder. I gotta, I gotta love more. Okay, I got it. God, I gotta love more, right? But I hear these words of Jesus and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes it's just like, come on, Jesus, this is too much. I don't know if I can. Like, did you see what they did last week? Did you see what they're saying about me to someone else that I heard about? Or how about... Gosh, Jesus, they're just so selfish. They're so prideful, right? I know we've had these thoughts, right? I'm not the only one. You're kind of looking at me like, I don't know. It's true, right? It's true. This is life. This is how we walk this out. 
But he's saying, especially, this is when it's a struggle. It's a struggle when I just am trying to do it on my own to love other people. And I don't know how, maybe how you were raised. I've been raised in the church my entire life. And there were things when I was younger, wanting to be the people pleaser, wanting to do the right thing. And I remember it was always just like, oh, I need, like Jesus help me, but I just gotta work harder. I've gotta try harder. I've just gotta love them. But I think there was a piece missing. And I think this is something um, that we see in this, that our culture kind of has a lot to say about love. Oh yeah, you gotta love this way. Or don't, don't say anything harsh to them. That might not, you know, we want them to be happy. We gotta do this thing and try harder and love means this now and love means that now. But I think if my worldview and the way that I wanna look at life, I want it to be informed by Jesus. If he's the one I'm looking to, that's where I want my idea of what love is to come from. And that's very different sometimes than we see in this. And in this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, I think there's a huge key that we look at, not just say, oh, I gotta try harder. Oh, I gotta love. Oh, it's really hard and I don't really like them, but I really gotta love them more. But Jesus leaves us with this biggest key that so many of us miss when it comes to loving one another. And really it could go for any of the one another statements in scripture. And that's this the strength and energy to love one another. It doesn't come from trying harder. It comes from remembering and encountering how God first loved us. This is where it starts. He said, love one another as I have loved you. I think for me, sometimes that takes a little bit of just, oh, okay, a little bit of pressure off where I'm going, oh, I have to just conjure this up and love more. I'm saying, God, what is your love? So what does it look like how God has loved us? There's so many different ways, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, but I just want us to think about today some ways that God has loved us, has poured his love out on us. And the first one is that God initiates love. He started it all. Ephesians 2.1, it says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. There was nothing alive in us. Our sin had us dead. Our dead in our love to him or even love for other people. We had no movement towards God. But in uh, chapter four of Ephesians two, it says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Here's the key, but God. He's the one that initiates. He's the one that moved towards us and says, I'm gonna love you. Even when you're far from me, scripture says that we were enemies of God. We were far from him in our sin, but his perfect love motivates him and he comes towards us and he moves in our space. In uh, 1 John 4, 10, it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Maybe you've heard these. Maybe you've heard these scriptures said before, but I just wanna remind us and go back to the fact that his love moves towards us. So what does this mean for us? How do we walk this out? It's so easy for us, especially when we've been hurt or offended, right? To kind of say, okay, I'm offended, I'm turning off. I'm not gonna initiate with them. They've offended me. They need to come to me and make it right, right? I'm not gonna show love back to them because they, they don't deserve it. But I think God is saying, I initiated love with you. I moved towards you. I came to you even when you were turning your back on me and said, I don't want anything to do with God. I wanna be in charge of my own life. And God's saying, can we initiate Can we step forward sometimes into those places where it's hard, but initiate and step out? You know, I I think 
truth here, Gareth is not here, he's at Sandy today, but I will say this, when Gareth and I, as two firstborns, should have known that one coming into marriage, we really like to be right. I think that I'm right, he thinks that his, he's right, and especially when we were first married, I was so immature, and I think anybody might know, before you get married or before you have kids, you're very, you feel very selfish, like, gosh, I'm really realizing how selfish I am, you know? And I remember we would get in fights and arguments, and the funny thing is, I couldn't tell you what any of them were about nowadays, you know, 20 something years ago. But we would get in these fights, and I remember those times where I felt like I am right, and I'm gonna sit here in my stubbornness, and I'm gonna wait for him to come to me and make it right. He needs to come and apologize to me first. And I just sit there and I just think, oh my goodness, as followers of Jesus, is that what he wants us to do? To just sit there and say, I'm gonna sit here because I'm offended and I have a right to be offended in this moment, right? It's kind of a badge of honor in our country. Anyone else see that? It's like, I'm offended by that group or I'm offended by them over there. And Jesus just God's just saying, you gotta have some more grace. Like we just need more grace for each other, right? And loving each other more. We need to initiate. We need to take that first step. And I will tell you, there were plenty of times that I didn't do that and I wasn't feeling it, but there were moments where I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I might've still felt that I might've been right about what we were arguing about, which don't even remember now. What I remember is that the way I had talked to Gareth or the way I had acted in that moment wasn't good. And I remember going to him a few times, a few, few times. I did it sometimes, sometimes it was him that did it. So we did find this middle ground, but the things that seemed such a big deal at the time and just saying, you know what, Gareth, I am sorry. I am not talking to you right. I'm not, I didn't handle that right. And I'm the one that tends to kind of go off and say the things that I shouldn't say. It's something. I'm a work in progress too, right? So have grace for me because I think we're all this way. I just remember those moments. And then there were times that he would come to me. And I think there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful intimacy that happens in any relationship, whether it's God or whether it's us with a friend or a spouse to say, I'm gonna admit that I'm wrong sometimes. I'm gonna move out and I'm gonna initiate and say, I wanna make this relationship right. We need to be the first one, practically. What does it look like? That we step out in love, that we step out to reach out to someone that needs it because he first loved us. It's not because we're just trying to do it all ourselves in our own strength or some kind of guilt trip that I'm putting on you about it, but it's because he loved us first. And the second thing that God loves us is that he loves us extravagantly. Really stop and think about that in your life. It says, I, I love the way, honestly, John 3.16 says it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Somewhere they needed to put that, that you know, English adjective in there to say, he didn't just love you. Oh, I love you. You know, you kind of say it half-heartedly. He so loved us. His love is extravagant. It is abundant, right? And it's just over the top. But we don't always see it that way sometimes, right? Sometimes you're like, God, I don't think you gave me what I was needing there. I don't think that went the way that I thought it should go. You know, I think about my kids when they were little. I didn't hear this a whole lot, but I remember once or twice, you know, either I was um, keeping something from my kids they wanted. Maybe it was um, just something that they wouldn't be safe with, like, we're not gonna play with a knife or, you know, some kind of food or something that's like, okay, you've had three cookies already today. You don't need another one. This is not gonna be good for your stomach. You know, things that you kind of are holding back and they're just like, well, why don't you give me what I want? You don't love me. You know, has anyone ever heard that statement? Like, you don't love me, but yet what they're not seeing is I'm going, I love you so much that I care about you not getting sick from eating too much of that, or I care about you that I want you to be safe. And sometimes we kind of step back and we think of that, that we're so focused on what we want sometimes in the moment or how we think something should work out, but yet God is saying, 
guess what? I know what's best for you. I actually know it's coming down the road. I know all the days of your life. I have them planned and I see what you need or maybe at times what you think you don't need. And that even when we don't get what we want, you know, when we're kind of living for pleasure in that moment or this is gonna make me happy, it's not always the most helpful thing for us. It's not always a good thing for us. But yet Jesus comes, he's actually working all things out for our good. It means, guess what? He loves me so much that I can trust him in those moments. I can trust his love for me. And another thing I love that Pastor Aaron talked about today is really realizing God's love is extravagant by just taking time to be grateful, taking time to have thankfulness to him. When we think about all the love he's given us, how extravagant that love is, the grace and the mercy that he shows us every day, that he protects us and he provides for us, that he gives all the needs that we have, that he watches over us as we sleep, that he comforts us when we grieve. I think about all those things we could go on and on about God's extravagant love and having an attitude where I just stop in those moments like we did today at communion and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the way that you have loved me. So what does this look like for us at times? What's easy is that we just wanna hold back love. That we're like, well, if you do this, then maybe I'll respond with this. Sometimes we, we think, oh, someone might offend us and it's so easy to say, well, I'm just writing them off. I'm kind of done with that. I'm kind of, you know, cancel culture. We see that a lot nowadays. This is not the kind of love that God is calling us to because it's not how he is with us. Practically, we're gonna have gratitude and we're not gonna hold back in loving other people. There might be some tough times through that, but he's calling us higher. I kind of think about that, how he's calling us to say, I'm gonna love you like this and we get to experience his love that way that I'm asking you to be this way with one another. And the third thing that God does is that God's love endures. I think we've all probably known someone where you feel like, oh, okay, they've shut me down. That's no more. But God's love doesn't stop. It says in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God's love and faithfulness towards his children, it doesn't, it's so faithful. It can't end because it's rooted in who he is. God is love. And there's this beautiful uh, just, uh, description of what love looks like in 1 Corinthians 13, and maybe you've heard of it. We call it the love chapter. But there are some amazing things to constantly be going back and look at. I think especially in the culture we live in where love can change its meaning a lot. And I think it's great to look at and see. There's kind of this top of this love mountain is verse seven, I think, where he really gets down to it, the stuff that's hard to walk through with people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, seven, it says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You see, love bears all things. To bear something actually means to help carry or to take on the load or to endure with someone. Love doesn't say, okay, I'm gonna go this far and no more. Love is not limited by what is reasonable or sometimes how far somebody else is willing to go. But love is saying, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna run into this. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, and hear me in this, it doesn't mean that you allow somebody to physically or otherwise harm you and continue in that kind of thing. There's of course boundaries where you need to be safe. But I think it's saying, maybe it's just someone that's grieving and you're coming along and you're saying, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna check on you. I have a, a friend whose dad um, has just lost his wife. Her mom had passed. And I just love the way that she was telling me the story of people in his church. There's a man that drives 30 minutes to pick him up 
for church on Sundays because said, I'm gonna be with you in this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be with you and bear this with you and drove him to church. And another woman at the church is encouraging him to get involved in outreach, to kind of find ways to love and to serve, to keep him connected in because he really needed somebody to bear with him as he was grieving the loss of his wife. You know, truly, true godly love doesn't quit when others become annoying or difficult, right? Sometimes this is what love looks like, is saying, I may not understand everything going on, but I'm gonna walk with you. And love believes all things. And to believe all things, this is a big one for me, is that we really give others the benefit of the doubt. We're so quick to rush to judgment. Maybe it's just a comment that gets said to me or the way someone looks at me and you're like, I don't know what they're thinking, what's going on in their head. I know, I know for Gareth that I, at times, I realized I'm putting things in my head and I'm attaching a meaning to something he said to me. And he's like, I'm not even thinking that at all, right? But, uh, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I am. I'm attaching a meaning to something he said that he didn't have any, his intent was not that, but the impact on me and I kind of added stuff to it. If this is something for me to believe the best in him or what's, what's being said is something I have really had to work on. It doesn't make love gullible. Just, it doesn't mean, oh, I believe everything you say, even though I'm not sure you know, if you are meaning it, but it's saying, I'm willing to trust. And it starts here. It starts with our church family, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe there's you know, something going on that we're not aware of in someone's life. Maybe I'm just gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and kind of try to figure out what that, what that means. What, am I offended now or am I gonna love? Am I gonna believe the best about them and about maybe what they're saying? And if I don't, go to them. Just ask about it. The next one is that love hopes all things, which means we never consider another person to be a lost cause. We are all works in progress. I think sometimes if you think deep in you, you think, oh gosh, I am a work in progress. I messed up again. No matter how much we fall and mess up, this is what God is calling us to, to hope all things. We understand that as we're works in progress, there are some days that are, it's gonna be hard and some days people fall, but God is saying, I haven't given up on you. I'm not forsaking you because you messed up again, but saying, God, give us your heart for the people around us. Help us to love them and step out and be with them sometimes even in the hard times. And the last one in this scripture is that love endures all things. This means that we're mil- willing to remain in a difficult situation with people, even if sometimes we just wanna seek the easy way out. But it's saying, I'm gonna stay here with you. I'm gonna be a part of this with you. Let's see this be done. Sometimes maybe it's brothers, sisters in Christ that are making things difficult and they've kind of got their thoughts about how things should happen and you've got your thoughts about how things should happen. But our love for God and others helps us. Our love that God gives to us, it helps us endure those days with people, whether they might be difficult or say something we're not sure about. God's love, it doesn't walk out on us because it's rooted in his covenant with us. And that's who we're a part of. You know, I, uh, Friday night, Gareth and I got to go to um, a memorial service for a pastor in town. He was someone who actually came from Cuba when he was 10 years old. His father was a pastor there and they were able to get out because it was not going well for the Christian pastor in those days with Fidel Castro in the 60s. And they, he arrived here and our church actually had helped um, sponsor them. And as they arrived and he got off the plane, he felt the presence of God so powerful to him. 
And God said to him, this is the city that you're gonna minister in and you're gonna love and you're gonna live here the rest of your life. He was a 10 year old boy when that happened. He experienced the love of God. He encountered that and Steve is his name. He went on to pastor. He was my young adult pastor when we were young and I could say this about him. He was somebody that believed in us. Even when we felt like I've got nothing, I've messed up again. Steve was one that said, I believe in you. He didn't care if he got the, the glory for something. He just wanted people to see Jesus. And in the 90s, he began to actually take groups of young adults downtown and they began to walk the streets of downtown Portland and pray for people and minister to people. And they experienced some rough stuff. And in, actually in the year 2000, God called them to plant a church in downtown Portland. And I just experiencing and hearing about his life and the people that were talking about him at the service, I think, wow, he gave his life for the city of Portland. He died of brain cancer after a 19 month battle with that. And of course we would have loved to have seen him have more years, but I just love to think he gave himself. He was willing to meet, there's drug addicts on the streets of Portland. I mean, they got in some pretty serious situations as you can imagine, you know, around Portland, but his heart and their church's motto was in Portland as it is in heaven, to see God's kingdom come to Portland. And in those times we think of, oh gosh, it's scary. I don't know if I wanna go down there, but God so poured his love out on Steve. He experienced that, that he just wanted to step out. He wanted to give himself to people, for people to find Jesus. He didn't give up on them. He didn't give up on Portland, which I don't think any of us should be because my prayer is that God's gonna come and do a work. And if God does it in Portland, I think that's saying a lot. Right, I think the rest of the country can say, if God can do that in Portland and we could see a move of God here, why not, right? Why not Portland? That's what I think. God's not done with it. You know, we've seen a lot of people, maybe friends leave and think, oh, I just can't, can't handle it here anymore. If you're here, then I think God's calling us to say, God, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna give myself. I'm gonna love this city and I'm gonna love the people that are in this city. And that starts with each other. So what does this mean as we go through this, whether you think about this mountain of love of bearing all things and believing the best in people? It's hard, love isn't blind. I think we do actually see and we need to choose to believe the best and give people the benefit of the doubt. How many times have I struggled with that to really think, I don't know what they're thinking. You know, I, I had a friend who came to me recently and she came to me and just said, are we okay? Are we, is there anything in our relationship? Are we okay? And because of how I had kind of treated her the other day. And, and, and I thought to myself, wow, I'm thinking, no, there isn't. I kind of had something on my mind and there was just stuff going on. And, but I'm so glad she cared enough and she loved me enough to say, I wanna make this right. I wanna make sure there isn't something between us. And in that moment, I was able to say, absolutely not. I was kind of, I had my mind on something and I didn't mean to be that way with you. Gosh, I sure love that she came. She was willing to come and say, are we okay? Let's make this right and give me a chance to maybe explain to her where I was in that moment. And I just love that. It sure brings a lot of trust. It actually helps me, our relationship go deeper because it just brings that trust point that if we're never not right, we're gonna check in with each other. It's just a powerful thing. So this is how we walk this out. We're gonna choose to believe the best rather than rush to judgment. We're gonna take a little moment, like we do at times we think about communion. Lord, give me those moments when I feel like someone's offended me or someone's wronged me in some way. Help me to step back and just take a moment and just give me your grace. Help me to have your grace for them in that moment. I love it that it says, as we go into you know, how we talk about our relationship with Jesus and how it connects to our relationship with one another. As followers of Jesus, we have to act 
how He acts towards us. But it comes from this fact that we remember that He loved us first, that He moved towards us, that He initiates it, that His love is um, extravagant and that His love endures even in the heart's death, even when we let Him down. This is how we walk this out. And I love in John 13, 35, I'm gonna say this part again. It says, by this, all people will know you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, love is the mark of a Christian. This is how people are gonna see who Jesus is. They're gonna say, are you a Christian? Do you follow Jesus? How are we loving each other? How are we walking out life with each other? We love first because he loved us. Who might you have? There's somebody maybe in your life as I've been talking even that you think of like, oh yeah, they're really hard to love. It is hard. It's not always easy, right? We have these people in our lives at times and God's saying, I'm gonna give you grace. I want you to remember how I love you. Maybe for you, it's not even that I have a hard time loving people. Maybe it's just, you need to create more margin in your life to be able to love other people and our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, sometimes it's easy and I've been so guilty of this, just focusing on myself and just my immediate family and I'm just trying to survive the day and get my kids off to school and get to work and do the things that need to happen. But God's saying, are you leaving margin for other people? There's brothers and sisters in Christ here in this room that need someone to encourage them, that need someone to step out and love them, that need someone, they, want, they need a friend, they need somebody to connect with. Maybe you're one of those people and you're thinking, could I find that in a life group? Maybe that's an area where I could step in and get involved. If you're part of a life group, I would encourage you to find someone that maybe isn't in one and say, hey, come join me. There's a power in that as we connect with each other in that way. Are we leaving the margin in our lives to love each other? And we don't do it in our own strength. We do it because of who Jesus is. If you would just close your eyes. I just wanna take some moment with Jesus here with all of us in this room. You know, maybe you haven't experienced the love of Jesus in your life. Maybe you've never really given your life to him and surrendered to him. Maybe you're saying, I think I want this love. I wanna understand what this looks like in my life. You're saying, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna follow what that means. And, and I wanna be part of this family, which means I also have these brothers and sisters. But maybe God is just speaking to your heart right now and you're hearing that call and maybe you've come here for a while and you just never made that decision to say, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I want the way that he does life. I wanna follow him, I wanna serve him. We're gonna, we're gonna pray in a moment together and I just, as all eyes are closed, I wanna give anyone a chance in this room that's saying, this is really for the first time. Like I've never, I've never given my heart to Jesus. I, I don't even maybe know all that that means, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just, I wanna have Jesus in my life. I wanna experience the love that you're talking about and have that love with each other. So if that's you today, and with all eyes closed, I just, I just wanna get to see, see you. Would you raise your hand if you'd say, today is the day I want for the first time to give my heart to Jesus. You can raise your hand. This is the day you need Jesus in your heart. Surrender your life to him. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you, God, today. Father, for who you are. Jesus, we praise you, Lord, for your great grace to us. And Lord, we thank you that you died on the cross for our sins, Lord. You took the punishment that we deserved. Lord, we thank you for your grace, Father, that comes towards us, your love that moves towards us. 
we ask today, God, that you would forgive our sins. Lord, we come to you and we say, make us a new creation in you. We wanna be your sons and your daughters. Lord, we wanna love with the love that you have for us. So we give ourselves to you, in Jesus' name. Lord, I come before you, Lord, for all of us in this room today. Lord, who have experienced maybe your love at different times, but God, I'm asking that maybe there's some people in this room that need a new revelation of your love to them. God, they've been kind of going through the motions or just struggling along through it, but I'm asking, Lord God, that your love, Father, that casts out all fear, your perfect love would come and overshadow them, that they would walk in that, God, that they would bring to remembrance and in thankfulness, God, your love in their lives. And Lord, for all of us, we all need your help in this. As we remember your love for us, as we've experienced it and encountered your love for us, Lord Jesus, I ask God that you put in our hearts love for one another. That God, you maybe show us the people that you're giving us more love for or, or God, the margin that maybe we need to create in our lives to actually have space to love other people and to give ourselves to them. We thank you, God, that you've given us the church and these relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, to see your name glorified, to see you great in the earth, Lord. We want more of you. Lord God, we want more of your love in us. So help us, Lord. Help us to walk out life with one another. Help people that are far from you, God, to see the love in our lives that shows who you are, that shows that we're your disciples, God, because we love one another. Father, we thank you for that and for your love and for those, Father, that are finding you for the first time today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen.